minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. We are the first 365 day a year Packers podcast. Get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. How in the world are you? I I don't know, Kyle. I'm not doing so great. I feel really down. I've been made aware this week that the Packers don't have any chance against the Rams. They employ the worst coach in the history of professional sports. Our season is over. Uh, we've wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime years. And, of course, I'm joking a little <laughs> a little bit. But the negativity I've heard recently has been super absurd. There is a lot of overreaction that we hear every single week. Um, but on the bye week, it gets to the point where it just makes me sick. We need some football to talk about. Um, so anyways, this is episode 93, which could absolutely be the Reggie Gilbert episode, but I don't want to get fans all excited before we start and then let them down the entire season, or I mean episode, <laughs> right? A little right. Reggie Gilbert humor. Uh, so we'll dedicate this one to the grave digger, um, which is appropriate in the lead up to Halloween, uh, Gilbert Brown and I know this is going to be our last jersey number episode because I figured out that I have enough fingers and toes to count up to seven next week. And uh, that's going to be our 100th episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. So we do have something special planned for next week, and I think we'll announce that at the end of the episode. But it is a good time to reflect on the early success of the Pack-A-Day podcast. And this week, we had a very special poll that came out, and that is the Pulse of the Packers identified the top 10 Packer Twitter accounts. And among those top 10 were Aaron Nagler and Justice Mosquito, both friends of the podcast, and then also, of course, Andy Herman, Zach, J- Zach Jacobson, and Dusty Evely, who are also hosts of the Packaday Podcast. And then on top of that, Matub and Dusty also made the list of the funniest Packer Twitter accounts. Um, and I know the Packaday Podcast got some special recognition as well. So, of course, it is an honor to be part of this great collaboration podcast. Absolutely. That's a really cool thing to see uh, pop up on our Twitter feeds, just to be a part of something like that. Uh, it's really been awesome to work with those guys and the whole Packaday team. Uh, as Andrew said, we are almost 100 episodes in, so stick around for the end of the episode, and we'll let you guys know how we plan to celebrate episode 100 in style. But but how do we get on those lists, Kyle? I feel I like we're know. pretty funny. Right. I mean... I don't know that like we have the best content in the world, but at a minimum, we should have one of the funniest Twitter accounts that's out there. Absolutely. Yeah, except that I don't write anything funny ever. Well, I mean, some of your takes on like Robert Tanyan and like your relentless, unforgivable nature towards Kyler Fackrell has got to be at least slightly humorous. I'm going to transcribe all of that onto Twitter tonight so that I can make the list. That sounds like a good plan, Andrew. But Park. but very very seriously, we're joking around. But congratulations to all those guys. They're they're getting recognized for a lot of hard work. And yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. 
So personally, I'm ready to get back to some Green Bay Packers football this week. The bye week is great for the team. They get the rest that they need, but it is the worst for the fans. And I saw your tweet, Andrew, this week where you said that it's felt like a month since we've seen the green and gold play. And it certainly has felt like longer than a one week bye. But I'm going to have to wait even longer myself to watch some Green Bay Packers football. My best friend had the gall to get married this weekend. And I'm one of the groomsmen, right? So this wedding is scheduled for Sunday afternoon during the Packers Rams game and I'm not going to be able to watch this game until at least late Sunday night maybe even Monday uh, and I, I guess I'm just going to have to give in and say that some things are more important than football I don't know your your best friend sounds incredibly selfish not to schedule his wedding around your fandom I totally agree and the worst part of it is he's a Bears fan so he definitely did this on purpose despite me But uh, (laughs) anyone who spent any amount of time on Packers Twitter this week has seen a wide variety of very emotional perspectives on this week's game against the Rams. You've probably you've gotten a portion of people who've already chalked this game up as a loss and all but feel like it's really pointless to actually play the game. On the other side of the fence, you've got fans who faithfully just declare that we are going to rout the Rams in dominating fashion, also citing Mike McCarthy's very impressive 9-2 record following a bye week, which is impressive. But today, we want to do our best to create some realistic optimism about how the Packers might be able to go into the Coliseum on Sunday and come away with a victory against what is, no doubt, a very, very good Sean McVay coach Rams team. And so to get us started with that optimism, I saw today that the last time Aaron Rodgers played at the Coliseum was in 2004 when he matched an NCAA record by completing his first 23 passes consecutively. Rodgers and the Cal Bears went on to beat the Pete Carroll-coached USC Trojans roster that included the likes of Matt Leinart, rest in peace, and Reggie Bush. So here's to hoping Rodgers can rediscover that same kind of magic and lead us to a win at the Coliseum on Sunday afternoon. But obviously, getting a win in L.A. now is going to require a lot more than just Aaron Rodgers. So we want to take just some time on this episode to discuss some of the crucial matchups that we'll see on Sunday. Um, Andrew, what are you going to be keeping your eye on in this game? One of the first things that came to mind was interior offensive line. And, And I think Byron Bell has played really admirably in replacing Kyle's most bitter enemy, Justin McCray. Yeah. Uh, But this interior line has never faced a test quite like the Rams. Lane Taylor, uh, Corey Lindsley, and Byron Bell are going to be tasked with blocking Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue. And Aaron Rodgers has struggled often with pressure up the middle, like pretty much every quarterback who's ever played the game. Um, And when that pass rush gets in his face, um, that causes struggles in the offense and doesn't allow him to step a bit in the pocket and create those running lanes for him as well. And this might actually be the best interior pass rushing duo in the NFL's history. I'm being very serious about that, at least from a talent standpoint. So if the Packers are going to have a chance in this matchup, they have to keep Rodgers clean, and that's going to allow them to win in what I'm going to imagine is going to be a shootout. Absolutely, and I do want you to know that I actually tried this week to think of something positive to say about Justin McRae, and I've got nothing. So I'm just going to move on and keep with my brand and say that I don't have any faith in Justin McCray. Um, I'm going to be really interested this week to see how the Packers cornerback group holds up against this high-powered offense. 
and against this group of LA receivers in general. Now, we know that Cooper Cup is listed as doubtful for this game, and so we're probably going to see some of Josh Reynolds, who's a second-year player out of Texas A&M that the Rams really like. Uh, Reynolds is 6'3", so putting someone like Kevin King in coverage on him might make sense. Uh, But even without Cooper Cup, the Rams group at receiver still has Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, so a very talented group. And I personally hope that we will actually see a lot of Jair Alexander on Brandon Cooks. I know he's a rookie, but I think Alexander has the best physical skills to mirror Cooks in coverage. And Cooks is obviously the Rams' best big play threat. So the Packers will clearly want to do everything they can to minimize him. But the Rams' offensive line has been really solid so far this season. So Mike Pettin is going to have to be really creative in bringing pressure to try to give the secondary some help. But um, how these cornerbacks hold up in coverage is going to play a huge role in how this game unfolds. But I really do like that matchup that Jair could have with Cooks. I feel pretty good about uh, Tremont and his veteran experience with someone like Robert Woods. And we've even seen some really nice growth from Kevin King over the last couple weeks. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic about the secondary and their ability to prevent this game from really becoming a track meet that's just out of control and too much for the Packers to keep up with. Yeah, and I think the Packers' corners um, can succeed if there is some pass rush. Because no matter how good Jair and Tremont and Kevin King and we'll probably see Bashad Breeland um, and Josh Jackson can play, they're not going to hold up against Cooks and Woods if Jerry Goff has all day to throw. Um, So we need to take a look at the pass rush. And I think um, one of the highly underrated aspects of the L.A. Rams is their offensive line. They may actually have the best offensive line in the entire league. um, And the Packers pass rush has struggled against some of the worst offensive lines in the league. So here's looking at you, Minnesota Vikings. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry probably aren't going to be able to win one-on-one matchups. At least they haven't proved that they can all year. So they're going to need to scheme pressures. Jared Goff is surprisingly average against pressure. So if Mike Pettin can find a way to get the front seven to win against the Rams offensive line, they may be able to slow down this explosive Rams offense. On a side note, Kyle, if the St. Louis Rams of, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s were the greatest show on turf, can we nickname this current ideation of the Rams the offensive evolution in the city of pollution. That is maybe the longest nickname I've ever heard in my entire life. It's very long. But you absolutely need to trademark it right now. I mean, they very well could win the Super Bowl this year, and that could be a million-dollar idea. I, I spent 15 minutes trying to rhyme something with smog that made sense, but uh, we had to settle for pollution. Sorry. That's fair. I'm actually a little bit embarrassed that you admitted you spent 15 minutes on that, but regardless, I'm proud. I'm proud of your effort. So we have the offensive evolution in the city of pollution, everyone. Um, but to move on. I'm excited to watch Jimmy Graham in this game, and I think we are in for a big game from Jimmy this week, and I think I have a good reason to think this. Uh, The Rams are a team that's been exploited a little bit by the tight end position this year. They've been pretty solid in the red zone. They've only given up one touchdown to a tight end, but between the 20s is where we've really seen Jimmy Graham have the most success this year, which is funny because we talked about how he would be that red zone target, Um, but it's also the place where the Los Angeles Rams have been beat by tight ends. 
Through seven games, the Rams have given up just shy of 500 yards passing to opposing tight ends, which is the fifth most in the league. In week one, and I know week one seems like an eternity ago, but in week one, the Rams played the Oakland Raiders, and they just blew them out. It was 33-13. to Oakland had a hard time doing anything in this game, but Jared Cook, that's right, former Green Bay Packer Jared Cook, put up 180 yards on five receptions against the Rams in this game. So I'm hopeful that Green Bay can find creative ways to open up the middle of the field and get Jimmy Graham involved early and often in this, in this game. Uh, we saw Graham put up over 100 yards on the 49ers a couple weeks ago, and I think there's a really good chance we may see another 100-yard performance from Graham this week. Yeah, so we've identified a few of the key matchups that we think the Packers um, either can exploit or are going to have to win in order to have any success against this loaded Rams team. So switching gears a little bit, every week we give you an update on the Packers' two first-round picks for the 2019 draft. And so if the season ended today, Green Bay's own pick would be number 23. Believe it or not, the Packers are actually in a playoff spot right now. Nice. And the New Orleans pick would be 30th overall because as much as we've been rooting against the Saints every single week, they find a way to win all the time. And now they have the second best record in the NFC. So thanks, Justin Cut. Oh, thanks, Justin Tucker. Learn. He, he has me flustered. That's how <laughs> mad I am. Justin Tucker, my fantasy football kicker, can't make an extra point to tie the game. Anyways. As much as it pains me to root against the Packers' draft interests, with the Saints playing at the Bird Murder Dome in Minnesota on Sunday night, we will have to cheer for Drew Brees and company to come out on top. Um, P.S., just just for the record, I was at the very first game in, at U.S. Bank Stadium when, when the Vikings hosted the Packers, and um, people talk about a bad atmosphere at Lambeau Field, but seriously, Kyle... All Viking home games are like the grossest frat party you have ever seen in your life. I mean, I wouldn't know that firsthand, but that's exactly how I would imagine um, a large group of Minnesota Vikings fans being. So that is not a huge surprise to me. Yeah, it's terrifying. A bunch of birds die because of their stadium, and I felt like my soul died because I had to go in there. We want to leave you with an injury update today, and it's always nice when there's lots of good news to report. The Packers didn't actually practice on Thursday, so we just have to go off what we know from Wednesday's practice, and there were no changes with the injury report uh, today. But the bye week has been just what the doctor ordered for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is still wearing a brace in practice this week, but it looks like uh, it's of the smaller kind and the kind that gives him a little bit more freedom and mobility. Rodgers did practice on Wednesday and was listed as a full participant. Coach McCarthy made it sound like it is very possible that the Packers will have their entire secondary available on Sunday, including Jair Alexander and new Green Bay Packer Bashad Breland. McCarthy stated that it's good to have Breland back and even made it sound like he was a part of the plans for Sunday. So Sunday may very well be the debut of Bashad with the Packers. On the offensive side of things, it sounds like the Packers are expected to have both Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison back in this one. So Rodgers should have a relatively healthy group of weapons at his disposal. It will be interesting to see how the Packers incorporate MVS and St. Brown uh, now that Cobb and Allison are back. Both of these guys have really shown a lot of promise these last couple weeks and have really earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers. So there's something to watch there to see how these guys continue to be integrated into this offense. Um, as far as the Rams injuries are concerned, 
We mentioned that Cooper Cup is listed as doubtful for this game. There are a couple of other big names on the Rams injury report this week. Uh, neither Michael Brockers or Nandamakan Sue practiced on Wednesday. Brockers has been dealing with and playing through, actually, a shoulder injury. Uh, and Sue has a knee injury that he sustained in the Rams' win over the 49ers. Uh, but it sounds like the Rams beat writers expect both of these guys to play on Sunday. But I don't think you would see many Packers fans shed a tear if for some reason Sue was not able to go this week. But that is all we have for today. Uh, this has been the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Mertig, and you can find me at Packer underscore Pundit. Remember to follow Pack-A-Day podcast as well, and remember to subscribe to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Tomorrow's episode will be hosted by Jake and Mark, and of course there's a new show every single day. You can catch Andrew and myself every Friday, and we'll be back next Friday, and as we promised, we'll be here to celebrate with you the 100th episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast podcast with special guest Brian Caravu of Railbird Central. We're extremely excited to have Brian on the show, so be sure to tune in next week as we talk with Brian about this upcoming victory over the LA Rams and to preview another tough matchup when the Packers travel to Boston in week nine to take on the New England Patriots. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember to... Just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! to Montana. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end Rodgers from the 42 New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. Now, winds up, rainbows, into the end zone. It is-